Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. I appreciate you tuning in again this week as we look into the Word of God, and we trust and pray that you're getting some help from these lessons here on the broadcast. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and as always, it's a privilege and a blessing to have the Word of God before us today and to have another opportunity to present the truth of the Word of God to you. This week, we're going to be back in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, if you recall, we looked last week. We began a, a sermon on why men refuse to come to Jesus Christ. Let's pick it up again. This is Jesus Christ preaching to his enemies, his religious enemies, if you will, and they were his enemies. They opposed Jesus Christ at every turn. Uh, you'll find as you study the gospel accounts of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ that his stiffest, most unreasonable opposition came from the religious crowd, the Pharisees and the scribes. And here we catch a little portion of the sermon that Jesus Christ preached to them here in John chapter 5 as he upbraided them because of their unbelief. And he says in verse 39, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. And last week, in way of review, we talked about the reason why men are still lost. The reason why, if you're listening today and you've never been saved, it's not, because, it's not God's fault that you're not converted. It's not the church's fault that you're not converted. The reason men uh, are unsaved and have no life in them and do not have everlasting life is because men refuse the call of the gospel. These men right here that he's preaching to, he, sa- he didn't say they could not come. He said they will not come. Ye will not come to me that you might have life. And the opposite of that is obviously is if you do come to him, he will give you life. And that's exactly what the scriptures teach. He invites men, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I'm telling you, a life without without salvation, an earthly life without knowing God, an earthly life with your sins piling up day after day after day, troubling your conscience, weighing down upon your heart. That, that burden of guilt and unforgiven sin, my friend, is a heavy, heavy load to carry through this life. But you will carry it if you refuse to come to Jesus Christ. And when you die, that load will push you right down into the pits of the damned. You will not come to me that you might have life. And yet Jesus Christ still sends out the invitation to sinners. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he tells us in John six thirty seven, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So the reason men are unsaved is because they refuse to come when invited. Salvation is full and free. The gift of God is eternal life. The peace has been made. Peace was made by the blood of his cross. Salvation is full and free and it is offered to whosoever will. And yet men die in their sins and perish. Why? because they refused to come. They would not. It was a matter of them being unwilling to respond to the gospel. And we looked last week at some of the reasons why men will not come. Number one, we saw that they were too proud to respond because the cross of Calvary humbles a man. It brings a sinner to the end of himself, and he has to admit when he comes to Calvary that I cannot save myself and I'm not all that I pretend to be, and he has to humble himself in humility when he comes to Jesus Christ. And proud men, whether it's pride of education or pride of religion, 
will oftentimes keep men from coming as a little child to the foot of the cross. We saw, secondly, that men presume. They presume that they're going to go on living. They presume that they'll get right one day. They presume that they'll hear the gospel another time. And these presumptions are deadly poison from the whispering lips of Satan who says, ah, you can put it off. And we looked at Felix who said, when I have a more convenient season, I will call for thee. There's no indication in the Bible that Felix was ever able to hear the preacher again or ever came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when God deals with your heart, respond. Come now, come now. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. But this week, I'm going to talk about two more reasons why men will not come to Jesus Christ. Have you come to him? Here's one of the reasons that men will not come is because of the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, the Bible is very plain on this matter. Listen, sin is an offense to a holy God. Sin will deceive and it will harden. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. But listen to me, when it begins, it's, when it starts, the thing that's so deceptive about sin is the pleasures of it. We were leaving North Point Prison not many weeks ago, and I heard one of the men in the yard say, well, I don't want to go to church. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to get saved? I enjoy fornicating. And of course, he said it within uh, speaking distance of this preacher. And I thought to myself, well, whoever said that Sin, when it begins, isn't fun. Whoever said that sin didn't have pleasure connected to it? Certainly not the Bible. Hebrews eleven twenty six says it speaks of the pleasures of sin for a season. And the Bible talks about God sending strong delusion to some sinners. And you say, that's not fair that he would do that. Well, let's read it in its context. I'm looking right now in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 10. And it talks about how that the man of sin will deceive the people of this world. And it says he deceives them because, quote, verse 10, they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, the fact that they knew the truth and they received it not, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you know why many... Sinners will not come to Jesus Christ because they know in their heart that when they go to Calvary, when they respond to his invitation, when they of their own will go to Jesus Christ, they know that sin in their life is going to be disrupted because when a man gets saved, he wants righteousness and he's given righteousness and he has a desire to live righteously. Listen, men will not come to Jesus Christ because of the pleasures of their sin. <clears throat> and they know if they really come to him that Jesus Christ is going to mess up that life of sin. Listen, everybody that gets saved turns their back on their sin. Well, I didn't say that you didn't have troubles with it. I didn't say you weren't tempted and that you haven't fallen a thousand times since you've been to Calvary. But would you agree with me right here and say amen to the fact that when you came to Christ, you came because you wanted to be clean and you wanted that new life of righteousness that God offered? Listen, Jesus Christ doesn't just save us from hell. He saves us from ourself and he saves us from our sins. And when a man responds to the gospel, he takes sides with God against himself. That's what repentance 
Partially, that's what repentance is. And a man knows, a sinner knows, listen, the old dope smoker knows, if I go to Jesus Christ, uh, this dope smoking's got to go. Every fornicator, every whoremonger knows, if I go and respond to the gospel, if I go to Calvary to be made clean, when I go to Jesus Christ, this fornicating and this whoremongering around town is going to have to end. Remember what Jesus Christ told the woman who was brought to him in John chapter 8? That woman was taken in adultery, quote, in the very act. And when he said, neither do I condemn thee, in other words, he spoke the word and she was no longer condemned. He said, neither do I condemn thee, condemn thee. Then he said, go and sin no more. Can I tell you something? I preach a gospel that changes men. I preach a gospel that has power to deliver men from their addictions, power to deliver men from their sins, power to deliver men from their temper and from their fornications and from their drunkenness and from their dope smoking. That's the gospel. Do you want a, you want a life of free from sin? Do you want to be pardoned? Do you want to have the power to live a clean life? Then come to Calvary. But you know why men will not come? Because they love the pleasures of sin more than they love Jesus Christ and his offer of righteousness and eternal life. The Bible says God here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and this is the New Testament, by the way, he sends strong delusion to these people that they all might believe a lie, that they all might be damned. Why? Because they believe not the truth, but rather had pleasure in unrighteousness. And the pleasure of sin has deceived many a man and has kept him from willfully coming to Jesus Christ for cleansing and for redemption and eternal life. And that sin has deceived them all the way into the end of their life and they've died in their sins and gone to hell. God forbid, but it's true. I think of these, this story I read one time where a couple of ladies were coming back. They were coming up on a real rainy evening late at night. They were going to be crossing over the border out of Mexico and coming back up into Texas. And as they were driving, they noticed a little chihuahua kind of wobbling along on the side of the road. It was just a wee little thing. And these ladies both had a soft spot for animals and she said, oh, look at it. It's out there in the rain, and it looks sickly and confused. She said, pull the car over. So they pulled the car over, and they picked that little chihuahua up. She said, well, they'll never let us take this over the border. Let's just hide him in a box. We'll put him back here in the trunk. So those ladies put that little chihuahua in the back of the trunk. It was all wet and sickly and, and staggering around. And they carried it, got it back into Texas, got it back across the, state, uh, across the border and into the state of Texas, that woman said, well, it's too late to get it to a, a vet tonight. But she goes, I'll just try to warm him up. She got a towel, brought him into the apartment where they were at, got a towel and wiped him off and was drying him off and, and trying to feed him a little milk and all of this. And she said, well, he can just sleep with me. I love, I love this little animal. We're going to get you some help, buddy, tomorrow. And she just cuddled that little chihuahua up close to her and kissed on it and went to bed with it. Unnatural affection. And the next day she got it to a, a, a veterinarian. And she let the vet take it back there, and the vet came running out. He says, ma'am, what did you bring me? She said, I brought you a chihuahua. She goes, he's just been mistreated. He was wet and alongside the road and just looked really sickly. And he says, ma'am, that's not a chihuahua. He says, that's a Mexican water rat with rabies. And the woman was sick to her stomach. You say, that's gross. Sure it is. But you know, that's exactly how men deal with their sin. They coddle it. They pull it up close to them and kiss on it. They think this is so cute, and it never looks like what it really is to them. 
but sin is a disgusting Mexican water rat with rabies. And my friend, do you want to go to sleep one more night with your sin cuddled up next to your bosom? The very rabid thing that nailed the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for you nailed him to the cross. God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Is that it? You want to cuddle that sin up close, the pleasures of sin you want to enjoy? You can enjoy it like you once did. In fact, it doesn't even carry the same punch that it once used to carry. That excitement of that first time that you fornicated, it's all lost that, that excitement. That first uh, shot of dope you took that sent you over the moon, you never have quite been able to get to that same level of high, have you? No, you haven't. And you've never seen sin for what it is. It's disgusting. It's defiling. It's, it's a defense to a holy God. And it is the thing that caused Jesus Christ to have to be nailed to a bloody tree for you. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again. But you'll not come because you love that Mexican water rat more than you love righteousness. In other words, you love the pleasures of sin for a season more than you love the pleasures of righteousness for eternity. God help you to repent and to come to Christ even now. And lastly, I will say men will not come to Christ because they have a plastic peace. You say, what are you talking about? Oh, there's a peace which Satan gives. Have you ever noticed and studied in Luke chapter 11 what Jesus Christ says about Satan? In Luke chapter 11, after some Pharisees who had accused Jesus Christ of healing a man by the power of Beelzebub, which was prince of the devils, Jesus Christ begins to talk about Satan and about the power of God. And he said, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. But in verse 21, he says this, he had just healed a man and delivered a man from an unclean spirit. And he says, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. Listen, the, the stronger man is Jesus Christ. The strong man in verse 21 is Satan. That's what he is showing. He's contrasting the power of Satan against the power of God. It's only God that has the power to rescue men from the grips of the devil. And he, listen, the devil in the Bible is a strong man. Don't listen to these charismaniacs that tell you to rebuke the devil. Why, Michael the archangel wouldn't even rebuke the devil. It says he durst not bring a railing accusation against him, but instead he said, the Lord rebuke thee. Listen, that's Michael the archangel who in, in, incites the protection of the Lord. He says, I'm not going to bring any kind of accusation against the devil. Listen, Michael, the archangel said, the Lord rebuke thee. You're going to do any rebuking. You better hand over uh, the power to rebuke. You better give it back to who it's given to. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil is a strong man here. Now the Lord Jesus is stronger, but nevertheless, you in your natural condition, sinner friend are no match for your enemy, the devil. That's why you've got to have the Lord Jesus Christ on your side. And if you've never come to him, he's not on your side. He that is not with me is against me, he says. And if you've never come to Jesus Christ, you're still lost and under the power of your father, the devil. The Bible says that there is the children of disobedience and the children of wrath and the children of disobedience have a spirit in them from the devil 
that causes them to be disobedient to God. You say, I don't understand all that. Well, that's because you've never spent much time searching the scriptures, but you ought to study sometime what the Bible says about the lost man. He is completely helpless against the wiles of the devil unless Jesus Christ comes and delivers him. The scripture says the strong man, a reference to the, the devil, is armed and he keepeth his palace. And notice it says his goods are in peace. Do you know why men go on in their sin many times? Do you know why men continue to do what they do and mock the gospel and mock the Lord's preachers and mock the invitation to come and be saved? It's because their father, the devil, has placed in them a plastic piece. In other words, they look around and they say, I got everything I need. Everything's going good. I've got health. I've got a hot car. I've got some money and I got a good job. I got money in the bank. I got people that admire me. I got friends. I've got what I want. I've got season tickets to the UK ball game. All is going well. Everything continues as it was. There's no difference. That's the picture of them scoffers there in 2 Peter chapter 3. Those scoffers in 2 Peter 3, they mock Christians and say, where is the promise of his coming? For all things continue as they always have. You know what that is? That's a plastic piece. That's a piece that is given and it's rocking you to sleep. And the devil says, it's all right. Don't listen to all this. Don't get alarmed. Don't worry about these things. Everything's good. You're going to be all right. You know what uh, is one of the most dangerous parts of a hurricane? If you'll study a little bit about hurricanes, you'll find out that the eye of the storm, wherever it passes over on landfall, that's one of the most dangerous places of the entire storm. Do you know why? The eye of a hurricane, if you'll look at it when you see those pictures of a hurricane coming out across the ocean and heading for land, you'll notice that in the center of that storm is a circle. That's called the eye of the hurricane, the eye of the storm. Those eyes can be anywhere from 10 miles wide to 35 nautical miles in width. And you know what happens when the eye of the storm passes over a town? The sky clears up. Blue sky can be seen. The sun comes through the clouds. The sun starts shining and the weather changes and the calm is in the middle of that eye. There's no wind. There's no lightning. There's no rain. It's as clear as crystal. And I mean, the sun comes out, the birds begin to sing and chirp, and the wind has died down. And you know what? That's one of the most dangerous parts of that storm. Do you know why? Many people have been deceived by that calm, and they've begun to take down the boards off their windows and set up the lawn chairs and take things out and start cleaning up their front porch and begin to let their guard down. What they don't realize is it about 30 minutes behind the eye of the storm is the storm wall and the backside of that storm is more violent than the front side and they are fixing to get blasted from the opposite direction by the strength of that hurricane and many people have died because of the false peace that they trusted 
in the eye of that hurricane. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that if you're living in peace and you think everything's okay and you've never come to Jesus Christ, you've never turned from your sin and come to him, you say, I'm not coming. Why would I have to come? My sins have never caught up with me. My sins haven't been judged. I've done this a thousand times and never had to face God. You preachers are all the time talking about judgment. Well, I've never come into judgment. Everything's going just as good as it's ever gone. Well, my friend, listen to me. That may be what you think, but what you're actually living under is a delusion. That's a false peace that the devil has given you. And one day you're going to square off with God. You know why men won't repent? Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. And you continue on in your evil because you've got a false peace, a plastic peace that says everything's okay. I'll be just fine. Well, I'm telling you, friend, it's not going to be just fine. I don't care what station you're at in life. I don't care how well life's going for you. I don't care how many times you've sinned and gotten away from it. The devil is the one that's given you that false peace. You say, I don't have to come to Christ. I'm going to be fine. No, you're not. The Bible says you're going to die in your sins and you cannot go to where he went, but rather you'll face a holy and a righteous God that knows every word you've ever said that knows every thought you've ever had, that knows every deed you've ever done. He knows every place you've ever gone, and he has kept a record. God keeps books. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. For God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Are you prepared to have your secret sins judged and brought out before the judgment and all the world to see? That's exactly what's going to happen because God has it all written down. You say, my goodness, what an awful thought. Well, listen, uh, the Bible says God hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. And he's going to judge the world by that man, Jesus Christ, whom he hath ordained. This is why God commandeth all men everywhere now to repent. And you know why men put off repentance and put off coming to Jesus Christ? Because they falsely assume that the peace they know in their life will continue forever. I'm here to try to wake you up out of your sleep. I'm trying to, to whisk away the false peace. You say, you're trying to scare me. You're all the time on the radio quoting Bible verses and talking about judgment, talking about me answering for my sins, talking about hell, fire, and damnation. You're just one of those fear preachers. Oh, listen, the Bible says, we're to save men, some with compassion, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Listen, my job is to wake you up. And the reason people get irritated and angry at gospel tracks and street preachers and gospel messages like this one, the reason they turn the radio off, the reason they mock this kind of preaching is it, be, it wakes them out of their false peace that the devil's given them. It wakes them out of sleep. Have you ever woken somebody up and when they were awakened all at once, they were cranky? Well, that's, that's because you've been rocked to sleep by the lullaby of the devil and the gospel comes and it rattles and bangs on the windows of your heart and it bangs on the door and it troubles you and it brings you awake to the fact that I'm condemned and I'm going to hell. Had a man tell me not long ago, he texted me, he said, Preacher, pray for my brother. He said, I sent him a gospel track in his birthday card, and he opened it today, and I just got a tongue lashing 
He said, he just messaged me and called me every name under the sun. And he said, the tract I sent, he goes, the only thing that could possibly be bothering him is conviction for his sin. And you know what? That old boy was exactly right. Because the offer of eternal life and a free pardon of your sin shouldn't be offensive. It should be welcomed. Why do men not come to Christ? Because they're, they're, they have a false peace. The peace in their heart is a satanic counterfeit. And they think that life's going to go on and on and on. And they're never going to have to face their record on high. And true gospel preaching will cause you to remember your sins and remind you that there is a day of judgment that is coming quickly. You are hurtling toward the judgment and you will give an answer to God. And you say, that's awful to think about. Well, the wonderful news is Christ says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, if you'll come to me, I'll in no wise cast you out. And those that come will have everlasting life. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Do you know him? I'm not asking you, is your name on a membership roll of some church? I'm not asking you if you were baptized. I'm not asking you if you go to church on uh, uh, holidays. I'm asking you, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? You either are or you are not. Now, which is it? Will you come to Jesus Christ today? Will you prepare to meet thy God? Will you prepare uh, to, uh, to do business with God? Will you come to him? Will you prepare yourself for eternity even now? Don't put him off. It's like the old Baptist preacher B.H. Carroll many years ago. He was on a, a passenger train and sitting across from a young man who had just graduated law school. And as the story goes, B.H. Carroll asked him, he said, well, uh, where are you heading? And he told him he was, I think he was going back to Philadelphia. If, if I remember the story correctly. And he said, uh, what are you going to be? He said, well, I just graduated law school and I'm going back to open my own practice. He said, well, congratulations. And then what are you going to do? He says, well, I hope to start making some good money. And he says, I got a girl back there and we've promised ourselves to each other. And I plan on getting married to her. He said, well, that's great. Then what? He says, well, I hope my business does well. I hope my practice takes off and I expect to make some good money. He said, well, good. Then what? He said, oh, I say that we plan on having some children and raising them. He says, well, amen. Well, then what? He says, well, I, I'm sure we'll buy a house and take some vacations and travel the world if, if I make the kind of money that I expect to. And he said, I want my kids to have a good education. He said, well, that's wonderful. Then what? He says, well, I guess my kids will grow up and move out, and I hope that they'll continue on and make something of themselves. He says, yeah, that's great. Then what? And that lawyer was getting a little frustrated with O.B.H. Carroll. He said, I don't know what you mean. Then what? He says, well, then what are you going to do? He says, well, I hope, I hope I'll have made enough money to retire on and, and then, you know, live out the rest of my life with my wife. And the preacher says, and then what? And that lawyer finally looked and said, well, I, I guess I'll die. And that wise old preacher looked at him and he said, yeah. And then what? The lawyer looked at him and he said, I've never thought about that. You know why men don't think about that? Because the devil rocks them to sleep. Shh. Just live your life. Just stay calm. Everything's okay. Maybe along the way, they'll get religion a little bit. 
That'll soothe their conscience so that no preacher, some old mean, narrow-minded, hateful preacher like me will ever wake them out of their sleep and point them to Jesus Christ. Do you know why men won't come to Christ? Because they have a peace that is fake that will evaporate when they die and wake up in hell. Most people never prepare for death. What about you? Have you been to Jesus Christ? Will you come to him even now? Him that cometh to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, listen to me. I beg of you. Don't turn this radio off until you've bowed the knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and trusted him as your Lord and Savior. The one who died for your sins was buried and rose again. Will you do it today? Today. Don't put it off another day. Don't put it off another day. Listen, religion will have you rearranging and straightening up the deck chairs on the Titanic, whereas salvation calls you to leave, calls you to leave the Titanic, get off the ship and get in the lifeboat. For whosoever, forget all that religion, turn your back on all that, repent of your dead religion, repent of your dead works and receive Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Come to him today. Don't wait. Trust Christ even now. May God help you to understand and do it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.